Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Touchy Feely Podcast. My name is Timothy, although I prefer being called Tim. And I'm with my lovely wife, Jessica, who um, sometimes prefers being called Jess. Um, I am the lovely wife. Hello. You are the lovely wife. Congratulations. <laughs> We're so thrilled that, you know, we get to welcome everybody back. Welcome back, an evening with the Champlins. <laughs> the Touchy Feely Podcast is the podcast where we uh, talk about different things that we feel like are, are or would be really helpful to people about mental health. Um, whether you are in therapy, whether you are considering going to therapy, or whether the thought of going into a room with a stranger and talking about your most deepest, darkest deepest, desires. Deepest things really, really scares you. These are all helpful things that would be beneficial to apply to your life. I mean, that's what science shows, at least. Yeah, yeah. This isn't just our opinion. Yeah, you know, it's cool. It's but cool. um, a lot of research. We know people who think we, we just have our we're hoax hoaxes. We haven't done the research ourselves. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that kind of person. But um, yeah. So. We are today. Um, we're gonna talk about my phone. The movie what? Inside Out. <laughs> we are. Well, we're talking about emotions. <clears throat> it's the Touchy Feely podcast. Yes, that is why we call it Touchy Feely podcast because we get vulnerable. We talk about some some hard things. Apparently, in like the seventies, it meant something totally different. We really didn't know that. So, just by the way, it's truly just a therapeutic podcast. <laughs> Um, yes. My husband's cracking up right now, but it's true. We had no idea. So anyway, um, you know, but I have actually, I had a, uh, I won't get into it, but I once named a blog something, um, and it it was, it was way, way worse. (laughs) So I'll, you know, you didn't mean for it to be that bad, but it ended up being that bad. It's a, it's a, it's a embarrassing story. But we, but we, you know, tanned it. We tanned it. Coming back. Inside out. Okay. So, um, yeah. So the episode today is the, um, the title slash idea principle is emotions and memories we won't allow will stay with us. And, um, you know, Jess, I'm going to be honest with you Hmm. for whatever reason, like this, this, um, principle intimidates me a little bit oh and i work like i work a lot with with clients who have experienced trauma i think everyone's experienced trauma to some degree let's Um, define what trauma even is shall we yeah can you do that please sure sure so for example they've done studies where um they're trying to understand ptsd which is post-traumatic stress disorder which is trauma And, uh, they're trying to understand how some groups of like soldiers, for example, some of them won't have any trauma responses. The, the brain won't be activated in the same way. They won't get flashbacks. They won't literally, um, find themselves in an aggressive state randomly from being triggered later on. That's kind of the trauma responses or the isolating behaviors, the avoidance, things like that. While others will. And, and they found that it has a, kind of a combination to do with genetics. 
the amount of trauma that you're exposed to, the age of trauma that you're exposed to, um, as well as various other issues such as how stressed you are in the, the moment and uh, frankly, you know, how how much more likely you are to have other mental health challenges is what makes you even more susceptible to um, what we call trauma, which is in essence keeping on to a memory, an experience, a belief, whatever it may be, with the same amount of charge or the same amount of feelings of overwhelm, bodily sensations, stress, fight or flight, aggression, fear, those kind of things as you would if it were happening right in that second. Yep. Yeah, that was really good. Thanks. I hope it wasn't too science nerdy, but I apologize. I mean, I thought it was, I understood it, but. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, And so, oh, I had something like, it kind of, I forgot. Um, That was trauma. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I was just going to say like kind of an example is um, I, I, um, when I was getting my bachelor's degree at UVU, we had a, um, uh, I don't, I guess maybe he was a therapist. He, mm. he worked for DCFS. I know that he had a master's in social work. Um, a guy who knew stuff and probably would know what trauma is. Yes. Very, okay. very experienced cool. with trauma. Anyways. Cool. <laughs> so I remember, um, this is just a really good example of trauma and trauma being triggered. Um, he was doing, he was doing like groups with, um, females that had been, that had been abused and, for a long time, he was clean-shaven, and then he decided to kind of grow a goatee just because, and he went to this group um, to facilitate it, and <clears throat> one, of the, one of the group members, like, got really upset with him and, and was, like, swearing at him. He's really activated, trauma And response. he was like, whoa, like, what? Like, I don't understand what's going on, and he figured out that that him growing out the goatee triggered this this um, group member because the person that abused her had a goatee, and so I mean, there's a lot to trauma, and like I like I said, I for whatever reason I almost feel like I you know I don't understand it or it, it kind of intimidates me, hmm. but I do work with it a lot, so I will do my best. Um, Jessica, I don't know why I just feel like you. You it's definitely something I'm really a little bit more specific with really it. interested about. It's yeah. something I really, really have focused on a lot. Um, I'm gonna bring in a pop culture reference. Oh, love this. We don't do that on this podcast. Oh no, 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 no. We totally do. Um, one of my favorite um I guess superheroes actually, surrounded by trauma is Batman. Literally the trauma of being dropped in a cave or not in a cave in a well as a young child with the bats coming out literally kept on haunting him that feeling of being trapped that feeling of being unsafe and you're young and and that's kind of the same thing that we want to bring up is a lot of things that come in childhood become traumatic memories and events compared to things that happen when we're older and bigger because we're much more susceptible at that age Mm -hmm. things are a lot more life and death for example. But Batman was actually able to use the bat as a symbol for himself 
that he began to overcome. And instead of avoiding anything to do with the bats or anything like that, because frankly it gave him trauma and anxiety, which is very uncomfortable. So I get why you would want to run away from it instead of literally adopt it as his theme, as his symbol, as his emblem, as his occupation, right? I get that. However, because he kept exposing himself, he wasn't running from the bats. He wasn't running from those memories. Um, because he was able to do that, that trauma response diminished. Mm-hmm. It went away. It actually became a symbol with maybe even positive feelings, feelings of control and power, even of self-worth and self-identity, this form of our metaphor of trauma, so to speak, is in essence what happens though, when we, instead of running from our feelings, from events, experiences, beliefs our most embarrassing moments, right? They yeah. lose power. In fact, we can even change them like Batman to become this beautiful emblem of strength, I guess. And that's why dramatic. Batman is your favorite superhero. It is. It is the reason why Batman is my favorite superhero is he takes some of the most traumatic experiences of his life. And of course it took him, you know, a lot of time, you know, but instead of running from them, he discovered amazing truths about himself and then used it to help others too, which is cool. People in my life, various people have told me if I were to become a superhero, I would be Mothman because <laughs> moths terrify me. It's true. And I want my enemies to share the same fear. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So that was our, our first pop culture reference to this. Our second. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into our second pop culture reference because in our last episode, I talked of I you know you hinted we, at. We, yes we introduced <laughs> what we're talking about and I was like oh we're gonna talk about the movie Inside Out so I'm gonna dedicate this um, this portion of the episode to my uh, my good friend Jen Lee Jensen whom um, I met her on a when I was on a mission for my church um, almost like. It has been 12 years, wow. 13 years almost. Wow. Anyways, she was, she was, she just mentioned she, she was excited about us talking about Inside Out. <clears throat> so I love, I love the movie Inside Out and I think it's really brilliant as a lot of Pixar movies are. Um, but this movie just like, as far as like mental health stuff is concerned, um, with emotions really nails it. It briefly... Um, depicts the five primary emotions in a young girl as actual little monster it, Yeah, it, it personalizes. And <laughs> yeah. shows the workings behind the scene of what's actually happening in her brain with those emotions as mm-hmm. things on the outside are happening in her life. So, um, what I... And I, you know, again, as usual, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to talk about it, and that's just the way it goes and I'm going to spoil it. So, um, this girl, uh, lives in like Wisconsin or something. Well, she's an only child. She has mom, mom and dad. Um, she's really close to both of them. They have a really good relationship. They, you know, they seem like they're close. And then dad gets a job opportunity and I think moves to San Francisco. And, um, yeah, change is hard, especially when you're a kid, you have to move across the country. 
San Francisco is a totally like different culture and environment. She doesn't get a ice skate and hockey anymore. Area. Um, yeah, she doesn't get the. She doesn't get to do the things that she loves, and and it's so she's you know she's upset and she's having a hard time adjusting, and her and her mom kind of keeps on saying like. Hey, like, you know, dad's starting this new job. We just need you to, we need you to just be, you know. Where's our happy girl? Our happy girl and be daddy's girl and just smile. And even if you're not, even if you're not feeling it, um, just pretend. Do it anyway. <laughs> and, uh. That would make it a lot easier on dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so she's feeling these emotions. Well, she, all these emotions are happening, but she's not allowing herself, um, to feel them. And so she just becomes numb, and she develops depression. And what a lot a lot of the time we think of depression as being really sad, but babe, what like what is actually depression? Depression is more commonly just numb, just nothing. You're just not you're just not feeling really anything. That's meh. In fact, one of the most common symptoms of depression, more common than the sad or even you know the I don't want to do anything is the irritability just mm-hmm. irritable and you'll see that you know that's one of the first symptoms that something's really wrong right is she starts to snap at mom and dad and they're like what is going on and at first they're like she needs some discipline right because yeah. shame on her for treating her mother that way or her father that way and, and and i mean in their defense yeah that's not okay but also you know, that's a huge shift in behavior from what it used to be. So there's probably something else going on. So what? So to ruin the movie for all, all those who haven't seen it, what ends up <laughs> happening is um, is the emotions realize, hey, she needs the opportunity to be sad. And, like, she needs to allow herself and give herself permission to, to feel that. yeah. And when she can grieve... Then, you know, that's when her brain and her, and she kind of processes or does start to process it and can work through it. And that emotion can start to diminish versus again, like the more we, the more we ignore, the more she ignored, um, the emotion trying to push it down, you know, it just turned into something that wasn't helpful. She just kept on like absorbing everything else. To the point where, um, I love it, one of my supervisors says the, the biggest problem with not wanting to feel some emotions is it's an all or nothing thing. You don't want to feel angry? Well, guess what? You're not going to feel happy either. You don't want to feel sad? Ugh, it's too bad. You're not going to feel joy. Because it's just an all or nothing thing. It's a slippery slope. But I think the number one thing that we find are people that stuff the emotions. Because they think... It's not helpful, you know? Yeah. They think, oh, emotions always lead me to do things that I regret. But that also can lead to depression, which, again, is going to just dampen. It's like a sponge. It's going to suck up anything that is positive that, quote, you wanted to feel anyway. You know, as as we grew up, we're taught a lot that it's a virtue to um, control our emotions yeah. instead of letting them control us. Which is definitely true, but I, I the unfortunate thing is, I think we're taught 
that to control emotions, we have to like not listen to them or cut them out. Anything negative, we gotta right. just push away. Versus, like, what well, I mean, what, like, what, what would you say is um, health, controlling your emotions in like a healthy, realistic way? So a healthy, realistic way. I actually was just talking to a couple clients about this today. <laughs> oh, good, you're all warmed uh, up. I'm pretty warmed up. Yeah. Um, is to acknowledge them to say, oh, hey, let me give you a name. When we give emotions a name, then they actually get heard. And when they're heard, we can get the information that we need from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we finally get the information from the emotion, it goes away. It's just like that one telemarketer. When you finally answer the phone, they stop calling, man. <laughs> right? Hey, sorry, we're not interested. Leave us alone. Most of the time, they'll actually leave you alone. But the problem with stepping or saying, Mm-mm, I don't want to go there, is the body is trying to tell us really important information that we just keep on shoving aside. And so that's what happens is uh, that volcano where you explode finally because it's just too much. That's not really helpful. You can't take any information from the last two weeks of intense emotions, right? Really quick, what I also want to say about Inside Out and what I also think is great about the movie is at the beginning when they they introduced the, the emotion characters, um... They, they talk about the, um, like the, what's the word? Like the point of the emotion. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, this is disgust. Disgust is for like, disgust comes out if. You don't like this. If you don't like this. <laughs> because like, you know, what if you eat something that's dangerous to you or is poisonous? Um, they're really important. They're helpful. Yeah. We're and, and anger is a little bit more complex. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, but I think that anger has its uses for sure. I actually wrote out on the board some of the primary emotions and what they actually are trying to teach us. And, but as and, a client, oh, go and, ahead. But really, but but as she talks about this, she introduces sadness, and I think she says something to the effect of like, "I don't know why sadness is here." And then, as <laughs> in, throughout the movie, they learn, "Hey, sadness also has um, has a." has a point a purpose, a purpose. Yeah, yes yeah that's the word purpose and it's not uh, just this oh what a inconvenient thing right now to feel Let's yeah suck it up <laughs> um and so yeah so so if you want to go on yeah to... so when we're feeling fear and surprise that's kind of that's a primary emotion or the emotions that are kind of developed between infancy and about four or five years old and then they get more and more complex as as we age but um fear and surprise is i am not safe that's kind of the the message that's trying to be sent so if we just you know keep on avoiding it or running away that's not very helpful right that's a primary sense right there and the one that we kind of talked about with sadness is my needs aren't met sometimes we just think oh i'm just sad well, I needed to snap out of it. But sadness is trying to communicate something to you. Hey, what you're doing isn't working, my friend. That's what your body is trying to say. Mad is, this isn't okay. I can't be treated this way. This is unfair. This isn't all right for them to say to me, for them to treat me this way or, or something like that. Mad's important because it helps us understand where a boundary is. Yeah, totally important. 
happy is, hey, my needs are met. Things are good. Yeah. It's not, so, you know, elation like we think sometimes, yeah. right? It's just, yeah. So, uh, so if, like, we're happy, um, I think, like, a good, good, like, rule of thumb is, is we always say, like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Or yeah. if I do this and it makes me happy, like, then it, uh, it's, I, working. It, it's good for me it's to continue me. to do this. You know, if I, if I talk to these, if I have these people in my life and I surround these people, if I surround myself with these people um, and I feel happy around them, then they're good for me and I feel... My needs are met. And I will continue to keep on doing that. Yeah. Well, instead, I think so often, right, we also look at mental health and we think, man, they're just super anxious, right? They just need some medication to just snap out of that. But in reality, that's also an emotion. I'm not safe. Well, let's talk about why I'm not safe. Like, what's going on there? What do we need to do to, to help us feel more safe? Um, oh, I'm sad all the time. I must be depressed. Well, hey, my needs aren't being met. I mean, if that, <clears throat> if we took that literally as, you know, the emotions trying to tell you something, that's a lot easier than, oh, well, just smile more. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. so, I mean, we call it invalidating, but what it really is, is just, oh, no, just ignore your body until you finally have some sort of health problem, right? I mean, that's really what we're dealing with emotions when we push them away and we say, uh, that's so inconvenient for me to feel that. I'll just hope that it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Or my favorite, oh, we'll just go calm down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is that? I mean, sure, when we're angry and upset as a kid, that probably is really helpful. But, I mean, so often we do that with any emotions at all. I mean, uh, I'd say our toxic masculinity is, you're only allowed to feel two things. I'm happy. Things are good. They're fine. And mad. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Things are not okay. When in reality, there's a lot more. I know. I know. We're getting into that later, but. I was going to say, um. I thought our last episode was going to be the most um, controversial. Controversial, but <laughs> after after things with the Jill advertisement, I think that when we talk about toxic masculinity, <laughs> that's going to apparently going to be the most controversial thing. You can uh, post and repost it. You know, maybe we'll get as many views as the kidding, kidding. <laughs> but it's true. There's some good stuff in there for sure, for sure, for sure. So, how does all of that relate to trauma, Ten? How do trauma and emotions? What in the world does that? How do they relate? Okay, so good? I'm gonna. So my best guess is, um, I mean, I, I accept that I can't read your mind, but I think I might know where you're going with this. So, <laughs> and if I'm wrong, you can correct me. But, um, so we're talking about like emotions need to be, like, um, they can't be avoided. They need to be validated. They need to be yeah. processed. Like, you need to pay attention to them. And trauma is the yeah. same thing. Trauma, and, and and so, like, stay with me because we have, you know, we have these traumatic experiences, whether it's abuse or it's war or it's... Um, Something really simple sometimes can be very traumatic for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if I, yeah, um, really, yeah, with that really quick... Mm-hmm. We call them big T traumas and little T traumas. Big T traumas are like those more like, you know, seeing someone get killed, being abused, really bad car accidents. 
seeing your parents get abused or things like that? Um, things that you, you happen like, oh yeah, it's traumatic. And then there's little T traumas, which are not as obvious trauma, but usually it's these small things that happen um, over a period of time that can affect you the same way yeah. as a big T trauma can. Especially if they kind of hit on the same theme. It's like punching at a bruise over and over again. Definitely. It's going to obviously lead to much more significant damage than just a cut somewhere. So I, you know, um, some like loyalty trials I'm trying to think of as, I mean, I mean, getting bullied can be either of those, I think. Yeah. For me, I mean, if I'm going to be, you know, really, um, honest, little T trauma was in fourth or fifth grade. Um, I'm dyslexic and I had a lot of challenges um, growing up learning to read and uh, various things like that. And I still remember um, it coming out in a therapy session many years later in college, actually, that kind of the root of my perfectionism and constantly trying to be seen as smart and on top of things was because in fourth or fifth grade, I can't remember totally, but back then when a classmate said, oh, that's right, you're in the stupid class. Um, because I was in a remedial kind of uh, language or English, whatever it was for learning disabilities. And that haunted me. You should find that person later. and be like, Hey, how many degrees do you have? <laughs> <laughs> but the beauty of it, right. Is this instead of running Justice. from it, which was actually what I did for many, many years thereafter. Um, because I tried, I mean, I either didn't raise my hand. I mean, I would avoid so much just to make sure that people didn't think I was stupid from that experience on, um, all the way up until in college, I was like a nervous wreck, anxious to pieces because I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't keep that up anymore. Right. It's not possible. And I think that's what happens as adults is, um, that experience on top of a lot of others kind of just kept on you know, hitting me with the hammer in the same bruised spot. That wasn't, you know, death or rape or anything like that. But that little T trauma literally gave me PTSD responses. Kept me up at night, reliving things. I mean, it was bad. Seriously, like, like as we're talking about the little T traumas, I'm just like, so many things about school in general, uh, like, like elementary school, high school, like, um... Man, that can, that can affect a person. So I'm yeah. so happy that like, that for the most part, society is starting to really get down on bullying and, yeah. and define like what bullying, what bullying is. And, um, I think that's I'm great. sure my teacher probably like said that's not okay or whatever. Right. You know, in that moment, not saying that it's still, you know, still very, very important, but just saying, you know, even though adults did their best. And my parents were wonderful, very nurturing, you know, very helpful, um, all of that. It's still, quote, the damage had been done, right? My peer felt right. that way about me and when that's, I was young. That's like, that's the incredible thing is like, that's just like a random comment, so yeah. to speak, from a peer, even though like a, in a lot of ways in your, in your, mm-hmm. in other aspects of your life, you got so much like positive encouragement yeah. and attention and stuff like that. It still affected you. So, so that's. Well, and really quick, I didn't even remember that specific experience. I didn't. And it still affected me. And it still affected me. It shaped, like, the very attitude I had towards myself and academics and in any classroom since then. 
all the way until like more than 10 years later in college when I, my anxiety was so intense, I finally went to therapy mm-hmm. and that memory just like came out at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't even remember yeah. it. That's trauma right there. Thanks for sharing that specific experience. I think that yeah. is a way good experience or way good example of a little t, little t trauma. And I didn't avoid it at that point. I worked on it in therapy, for example. I really addressed that fear, which is the only way that I could even talk about that without even getting emotional or even heightened Mm -hmm. at all. While obviously me trying to avoid or not feel like I was stupid or self-conscious all of those years only made it worse. So let me, so let me up the ante a little bit. And so, and kind of like, you I'm up gonna, that, Annie. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna challenge you a little bit. I, I want you to I go want for you it, to, to get, Give me your best. So we're talking about these little t traumas. What? So if we go into big t traumas, and it's like, well, if if uh, you know, let's say someone was was raped, you know, and had this incredible. Or let's just be honest. We were in a what a taxi yesterday. <laughs> we're talking to our taxi cab driver, and he was. Telling us about his relationship with uh, a woman who had had, you know, a lot of abuse. And that's a big T trauma right there and how much it affected her. Right. I'll use but, that as an example because it's real. But, Go ahead. But the example, I'm so... Oh, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, because you're, cause you're, with your experience at school, you were talking about... Yeah. About, like, processing it and, and facing it. Yeah. Well, you know, why, like, why should we expect people who have these big T traumas of... Of, again, maybe someone that got raped to face yeah. it because that's such a horrible, terrible, scary thing. Yeah, great point. What do you think? So, especially for kids, um, where trauma happens in childhood, it's almost always um, kind of these beliefs that come from it is I'm not safe. It can't be safe. I can't control what happens to me. Um, pain will just always happen to me. It's not going to be possible for me to be safe. I can't trust people kind of a thing, which you'll see later, of course, when trauma happens to adults, but it's still not nearly as intense because it's not quite as linked to survival as it is as a child. So one of the most important things to help a child with is an adult or is older in um, working with those experiences that still feel very, very true, even though they're like three feet taller now and, you know, 100 pounds heavier and, yeah. you know, have car keys, for example, and um, is helping them understand that that trauma is still teaching them to believe that they're a little kid again, which they're not. And so it's, it's, it's really important to make sure that they're not reliving their life through the lens of when they were six, because they're not six. I mean, they could be even 60, right, and still be doing that. And so it can be very helpful when those things that they're running from are not helpful. They're not teaching them anything. They're not actually keeping them safe because it's not relevant. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes now, a lot of sense. it becomes harder, of course, for people who um, become abused or different things as an adult because it still feels very relevant. And it, frankly, may be very relevant. I guess that's my only tidbit there. Okay. And, um, and what I, what I want to kind of just piggyback off that is, um, is as, like, as people 
process their trauma and look back on it, they can still get things out of those experiences. um, And they can become more empowered. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of, we'll, we'll talk about the treatments a little bit later, but there's, there's treatments that, that, Although memories, those memories can still be painful. Um, they take the charge. They, out of exactly, they they, yeah. they take the charge. Of it. But let's go like again, like let's you know, I I'm I'm just using this example again with a a woman getting raped. Yeah, she's not. You know, that's gonna be really painful to experience that. But also, if done in the appropriate way, that can become a really powerful experience afterwards. In yeah. that, like, let's say a therapist is like. Is like, hey, let's press charges on this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's make sure that there's justice, so that so that that lady can learn. I don't have to be a victim in the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, I can move forward, and I can do what needs to be done to get justice. Even if bad things happen, I can still be in control. Of the I situation. can exactly. He does like he because he you know if a guy did it, that guy that guy used fear to take advantage of me. But I can still do things to take care of the situation mm-hmm. and to, you know, get I'm it for him getting in trouble. Yeah. yeah, he I can he's not controlling me with fear. I can still do things to protect myself. Yeah. To protect family members. And yeah, I mean I again that's just such a powerful thing to to take that into action. And I and again I think that's yeah. a huge benefit to processing even um Big T traumas. Those big T traumas. Those, really those big T really, traumas. You know, like yeah. those really, really scary things that only happen to someone once and it really affects them. You know, one of the uh, <laughs> one of the things I addressed with a client today, um, we were talking about her demons or the things that she tries to hide because, you know, they're just so overwhelming and for sure I'd be rejected if, you know, people knew that about me, right? For me, mm-hmm. it was that I'm stupid, right? I was always trying to cover that up or overcompensate so that people wouldn't see that. Um, luckily, I don't believe I am anymore. But, you know, that was a huge thing for me growing up. Um, and for her, it was uncertainty. The, I don't know for sure what's going to happen. I really can't predict absolutely the result to this choice mm-hmm. or not this choice. And so because of that, the anxiety is real uncomfortable. So she just kind of run from whatever, shut down, shut off. And we were talking about it and she kind of began to realize, hey, actually, me not making a choice is a choice. No matter what I do, whether I water that uncertainty and focus on it or I think about it instead as all of the possibilities, all of the things that, that I could possibly do with that, or all of the, not positive, but, you know, on the same side of uncertainty is so much unknown that that can be amazing. Freedom, I mean, so many things that people only dream of when they don't have all of those possibilities. And I, and I you know, I can really get with that. I... I'm also a pretty anxious person and 
you know, so many times in situations in my life where I was like, I don't really want to deal with this. I just don't want to worry about that. And then learning that, that, Hey, like, a like if I, if I still do things despite my anxiety, mm-hmm. some really, really awesome things can happen. Yeah. Um, and along with that too, when I work through my anxiety, um, very, very, very infrequently, do the worst things happen that I'm always afraid will always happen. <laughs> and even then, that was the thing I worked with with this client was that, well, and frankly, I work with, with a lot of clients is the anxiety so d- uncomfortable that they just run from it. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. Let's actually ask ourselves, what is the worst thing that's going to happen from that choice or whatever that we're, we're avoiding right now because it's uncomfortable. And it just takes them a second because they're so used to running from it. They don't even know what the boogeyman they're running from is, right? <laughs> I, I know for me, like, with the, with the things that I get anxiety about, my the worst thing that can happen for me and what I always fear is I'll feel slash look stupid. <laughs> yeah, I was like, called stupid in fourth grade. What yeah. if what if I ask this person a question and they're like, oh, that's... And I, or not people usually don't say questions are dumb per se but like, <laughs> what if i get the feeling that they thought that was a dumb question i just don't want to ask that question and then you ask yourself and you're like you're just a store cook at a store i don't know them who cares if they think i'm dumb right but but exactly when we actually identify what the boogeyman is that we're running away from and we actually ask ourselves oh well if that did happen if you did think i was stupid mm-hmm. well could I cope with that? Yeah. People have thought I was stupid in the past. I've gotten over it. I've made it through. And all of a sudden, that boogeyman has a name. And you have exactly the poison that gets rid of the boogeyman. Right? Yes. The problem is, is when we we run from things and we don't actually, like, put a name on them, we don't actually think we can cope with them because we don't know what it is that we might need to problem solve. I think that's like the root of so much anxiety is just, again, not knowing what the worst thing could happen. For me, it was, it used to be for a long time, it was being alone, being rejected and being alone. And, um, and yeah, I did have quite a few relationships, you know, kind of fall through and it did take me a, a good chunk of time before, you know, I found Mr. Tim Champlin here. Um, but it was only when I really just sat with that and I thought, you know what, it doesn't mean I would like that. It doesn't mean that's what I want to happen. But could I actually like face that and cope and be okay? I think that's really what we're afraid of is that the worst case thing would happen and we wouldn't be able to handle it. But guess what the beauty of this is? How many things are the worst case scenario that happen that people can't cope with? Not that much. I mean, we we find a way, you know? Humanity finds a way. That's kind of been the thing that it's, or that's been the way that it is since, you know, millennia is people are amazingly resourceful and they figure out a way to cope with stuff. And guess what? The next time you're anxious, think, man, what's the worst thing that actually could happen? And could I actually deal with that? Guess what? You probably can right yeah but again it kind of goes back to acceptance right huh there we go acceptance do you like that little you know connector uh, tidbit thing there so can connect for me acceptance um with 
so, with emotions. So I acceptance guess. is this idea that even if I don't like something, even if I wish it were different, we kind of talked about this with Watson, with the death of his wife, right? Yep. Last time. Sorry, another, you know. Um, I'm not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, right? Another. You guys should be thing. sorry if you haven't watched it yet. I know, right? Um, acceptance is just saying, okay, this is reality, whether I like it or not. And with emotions, they're there to tell us information. I may not like it when I feel incredibly anxious when I'm about to raise my hand in class because I know I might look stupid, right? I may not like that, but that's the situation I'm in. Mm -hmm. And instead of not liking it to the point where I just ignore it or run away from it, it's not going to change. That boogeyman, it's just going to get bigger. That's, I think, the hardest thing about avoidance or running from stuff or ignoring them Um, or medicating them. That's another big one. Chocolate, food, alcohol, drugs, porn, whatever. Just medicating stuff, so yeah. we have to go there, right? Yeah. Anyway, but, um, so acceptance plays a huge role of just saying, hey, this is just where I'm at. And that's okay to be there, even if I wish it were different. Um, and what, what is important for me, like, for people to, for, for us to understand about that is, um, giving ourselves permission um, to feel emotions mm-hmm. kind of like in front of other people. Yeah. Um, you know, again, there's these hashtag Brene Brown vulnerability. There's these, there's these ideas of like, Oh, you know, like you gotta be positive in life and just smile. And, and that's true. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also again, you have to like, like, Show, like, if someone, if someone sees me cry, or if mm-hmm. I'm at work and someone's like, oh, Tim, it doesn't look like you're, you're, you're having a very good day today. Like, that's, that's okay. That's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And that just shows people, hey, like, I have all these emotions and I have all these experiences. And, you know, like, I know. Whenever I meet someone that's always happy and always smiling, Plastic. <laughs> I'm just like, like, yeah, like that's not real. You know, not that we, I'm not saying that we need to tell everyone our emotions all the time. <laughs> but again, just like giving yourself permission of, of, if you're not feeling super great, like it's okay to not be smiling and cracking jokes. That's fine. Don't ignore it identify hey what's the information this is telling me what needs to change can, yeah. I, can I use an example oh please that happened to me today Ooh, please so we just got home from a vacation um and it was a really really awesome vacation it was marvelous and it was it was our first day back to work and i just hardcore got like the um the post vacation blues and oh i'm back i'm you know back at work and and all these emails have piled up, and I've got these voicemails, and people somehow wanted me to do things while I was gone, and except not really, but um, but that's how I felt. Um, and so we're and like we're talking about this, and just just to use like this real life example of an experience today, and using kind of what we're talking about, um, I felt really 
I felt really overwhelmed and down like throughout the day. And it was just a lot of different little things. It was nothing like super big. And as we're talking, as Jessica talked about like the emotion of sadness and sadness means we're not getting our dreams met. And as she said that, I realized like, Hey, I did not give myself enough time today Mm. to do the things like to catch up and to do things. Mm -hmm. And so I worked hard today and then I left work still feeling like I still have all these things that have to get done behind and that, and that was my need that did not get met as I, yeah, I did not. And and if I want to correct that tomorrow, I need to give myself time and the opportunity to to continue to catch up and and get Mm -hmm. to where I want to be. But you know, your, your impulse is, Oh, this day of work is awful. I don't want to go there, right? I mean, not saying you, but yeah, just in yeah. general, all of us. Yeah. So I'll go drown all my sorrows. Maybe in I shouldn't do this therapy thing, and maybe <laughs> right? I, maybe I should have become an accountant or something. I don't oh, know. the grass is always greener. <laughs> dot dot dot. Right. But really, instead of you know shipping that out, wallowing, right, or the opposite is we drown all my sorrows in Netflix and just forget all about it, so that then I'll go into work tomorrow and I'll have to face it then. Yeah. You're not taking any of that information to get your needs met. Right. And unfortunately, guess what's going to happen tomorrow if you didn't take the information you needed from that? It's just going to be just as bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, again, that's going to pile up and yeah. th- that emotion is not going to be dealt with. And... Exactly. Now, disclaimer for everybody at home, okay? There are two sides to this. There are definitely people you and I both know. We call them wallowers. <laughs> Where they just, they take an emotion they felt last week, and man, they just keep adding the gasoline onto it, so it just keeps burning Uh over and over and over again, and you're like, oh my gosh, get with it, figure it out, like, move on, right? That's not very helpful either. No, I would say the same, (laughs) the same thing for them is, again, you're not allowing yourself to recognize the other emotions you're feeling. Yeah. You're... And, and so last time we talked about people doing the best that they know how yeah. people do things because somehow they believe it's going to benefit yeah. them. And so people that are sad all the time do it because they're maybe, getting something. Again, so maybe they feel like they're getting sympathy and attention from people anyways. But again, yeah, when, 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 you know, we work with clients that are like that, we have to validate that, but we also have to say, Hey, like, and at the same time. Do you time. want to be happy? Because let me help you recognize some things in your life that you might be able to be happy about. But again, if they're getting too much out of that, they don't want to change, right? Right. But my big thing is disclaimer, right? Ignoring and avoiding, not yeah. helpful. And, and Wallowing over and over again, not helpful. All, right. All of, <laughs> again, like we always talk about balance. You need that balance. You need to allow yourself to feel happy when you're feeling happy. Allow yourself to feel... Because, again, happy is, my needs are met. I'm doing yeah. something right. Check. Uh, allow yourself to feel, um, you know, sad or disappointed so that you can start to figure that out and move on from there. Yeah. Because that's the most, like, appropriate solution mm-hmm. to deal with that. Um, <clears throat> and yeah. there's just going to be some things that you can't change. And you may just feel sad for a while. Guess what? We call that grief. Yeah. And that... That's you know, okay. that eventually can take care of itself. Not, and it's never a hundred percent, but, but if you allow yourself to grieve, yeah, over time 
that's going to get um, a little bit, a little bit easier and, and more uh, doable. For sure. Oh, we love to talking about this. How long so much? Goes? 47. Okay. That's, 48. That's what that 47 means. <laughs> we really do. We love talking about this. I mean, there's a reason why we kind of jokingly called this a touchy-feely podcast. You just knew we were going to talk about feelings. But they really are the most, like, underappreciated thing. Can I, um, can I have you just really briefly talk about Hmm. Um, some effective treatments for trauma. Oh, sure. So EMDR and um, accelerated resolution therapy, um, the research shows, and in my experience, I've done some EMDR. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, Is really the most effective things. I mean, there's definitely some talk therapy and various things like that. I would definitely recommend for maybe some small T traumas that aren't too overwhelming. I mean, my small T trauma of that kid saying that I was in the stupid class came from talk therapy for sure. Mm-hmm. But for example, I, some of that still got resolved several years later with some EMDR for me. Um, if you have more questions about EMDR, I'd recommend looking it up on YouTube. Um, it's a little bit complex, but what it really does is it is it doesn't sit with your prefrontal cortex or that conscious part of your brain. It actually reprocesses that trauma memories and, and that trauma response um, in REM. Mm-hmm. So it literally is taking care of the brain stuff and the body stuff. Um, and then what's the other one that you said? Accelerated resolution therapy is EMDR or um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Um, that just That's is accelerated. Mean. So it's even more sped so up. So it's like the Reader's Digest version of EMDR. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's and, great. And I, I definitely agree. Um, I EMDR, I've worked with therapists that use it, and it, it almost feels magical. Um, but there's <laughs> a lot of really good um, research that, that supports it. Um, with the second, I keep forgetting the name. This accelerated resolution yes, therapy. I'm not, I'm not as familiar with that, but it sounds way sweet. It's newer. It takes all of the good stuff of EMDR and just gets the results quicker. I'm um, a big fan. <laughs> and then, and I'm just going to add in general, yeah. um, processing trauma, you know, even like talking to a therapist or talking to people you trust about it can be helpful. Yeah. Um, there's also something called a trauma narrative, Excellent. which is basically you kind of writing out the experience, how it affected you. Different, I mean, different aspects of that. Writing is a really powerful thing. Um, Hashtag journal. Yeah, what, what? journaling is, is awesome and is very, very therapeutic. And so yeah. writing out um, traumatic experiences can also be helpful in processing it. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely say EMDR um, is going to be the most long-term, the effective. most long-term, most productive thing. We have so enjoyed this topic. And I think we're going to hit on a lot of it again and again in future episodes so if you like what you hear tune on in my friends it's getting good yeah hey uh what what would you like to talk uh, about for your self-care my self-care your self-care well, corner i did go to washington with my husband and i ate really good clam chowder and i also walked all around uh the city for like three miles yesterday so just saying it was it was good and I slept quite a bit, and I pet puppies. 
So, I mean, yeah. win-win for me. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just everything awesome happened there. Um, and then for me on that trip, um, there's this museum uh, called Mopop. It's a pop culture museum. And at the time we were there, they had um, an exhibit all about Marvel Comics. And so my family and Jessica were like, yeah, like, when do we go there? So we went there and it was so awesome. It was so good. And they it was just, awesome. They just had these really cool, like, exhibits and statues of these awesome Marvel superheroes that I love. Um, and there are some other really cool exhibits that, this, you know, there's like a music uh, with different instruments. And I finally heard you play drums. Yeah, they had a. I don't get to play drums very often anymore, but they had a, uh, they had like the booths with in- instruments. And so I got to play drums cool. for 10 minutes. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that was so fun. And so that was just a cool, different thing. Um, uh, we, we are, we really endorse vacations. Even planning vacation was really therapeutic <clears throat> for me. Just, you know, something to look forward to for sure. Yeah. Well, we hope you'll tune in again. Because so we're way excited for our next episode. Our next episode, um, we're going to um, talk about something I'm so passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about self-compassion and why that's important. We've touched on it a little bit yeah. in our um, episode one. We're going to talk a lot about that. And then we're going to have a really, really good friend of mine who's also a therapist. He's going to join us and he's going to also give us his insight into why self-compassion is so important and helpful and especially with addiction too or any kind of compulsive behaviors i mean wondering why you keep doing whatever it is that you keep doing well guess what self-compassion is actually the way to get you out of that loop yeah sounds counterintuitive but oh man tune in you'll see we'll see you next time bye guys